0: You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network Production. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go.
1: Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Not So New Relay Podcast. I am one half of your co-host, Candace, and as usual, uh, <laughs> my other, my favorite, well, kind of my, mostly what? my ah! favorite person. London this... comes first, right? London's my favorite person,
0: then you. I've been here longer. That's all right. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Yep, she could have best a talk. All right. It's cool. What's <laughs> up, y'all? It's uh, Mike, as always. Um, the, I guess, uh, least uh, half of this uh, duo. And <laughs> hey,
1: London is here, but she's actually coloring, so she doesn't want to talk today. But um, so this, I'm going to give a trigger warning that this episode discusses and deals with sexual trauma. So if you are someone that has been a victim of sexual trauma, um, don't force yourself to listen if there's any chance of it affecting your mental health in an aggressive way. But um, this show is really important to me because we'll be discussing how to Reclaim Your Sexual Identity After Sexual Trauma, and we have a really special guest with us, uh, Jamila Dawson, who is a sexual therapist. I really did not want to cover this topic without bringing in a professional because that lends itself to giving out a lot of maybe not so correct or not so current information on the healing process. So welcome, Jamila Thank you so
2: much. I'm really, really thrilled to be here. Thank you.
1: So tell us, um, tell us a little
2: bit about yourself. Um, where to start? Um, I, unlike a lot of sex therapists, I have gotten, uh, I used to work at multiple different, um, education based adult stores and, uh, including the pleasure chest, which is one of the oldest adult stores here in Los Angeles. And um, I bring that up because it was such a glorious experience of meeting so many different kinds of people. Um, And a lot of times in clinical programs, we're taught to kind of pathologize and diagnose super quickly um, behavior. Like we're supposed to kind of divide it into healthy and not healthy. And the years that I spent being um, a sex educator and working in adult stores, I got to see so much variety so many different kinds of people, so many different kinds of gender expression mm. interests that the the idea of like normal and abnormal yeah, is disappeared. And so, um, and I bring that to the work that I do as a clinician. There's effective and ineffective and more healthy and less healthy, but normal that needs to go. <laughs>
1: Yeah this, like, so when I go into like adult stores, the, the good part is like a lot of them have really knowledgeable people working in there. And they give you real information. You know, the lady was telling me one time, like, this is off topic, but about (laughs) like, you know, anal sex. And if you want to try it, like to stay away from desensitizing lubes and creams and stuff like that. She was like, it's really dangerous. A lot of people end up in the hospital because you need to be able to feel pain and if it's too much then you need to stop right but if right. you can't and you damage something you hurt something
0: you wouldn't know because. you
1: wouldn't know so
0: exactly.
1: Exactly. that kind of like that kind of hands-on you know customer service because mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. place to have customer service is when it's related to sex a
0: day for you though <laughs> right you know? yeah I'm- i just want to point that out there i don't know <laughs> I don't know where I don't know when this was. This but was whatever day
1: this, this was, was. This was, was uh, might have been uh, right? after London when we were dealing with postpartum. And I think we, you know, uh-huh. got some romance back, and I stopped in, and the oh, okay. the lady was really nice. I was like, I'm trying to, we trying to get our sexy back at home after right, having a baby, right? and she was just so kind, mm-hmm. yeah. and I was like, yeah. I'll be back. So to know that <laughs> you got to you got to start there, um, it it makes perfect sense to me.
2: But yeah, it, yeah. It was it was life changing, and the piece that you just po- talked about that the um, the associate mentioned, which was like the ability to feel, like to me, like that's that is one of the most critical pieces around good sex, around healing from mm-hmm. trauma is letting our body feel and understanding what um what sensations are telling us and then what to do with that so it's like i said like everything that i learned um working at the adult store like i've transferred to my clinical work and um and i love that i get to play in both of those those arenas Um, yeah very important to me
1: that's amazing which kind of brings us to the first topic about you know, steps somebody can take to um, start healing so that they can enjoy sex after going mm-hmm. through sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. That's, I for me, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse from, you know, childhood, even through teen years. So when I was finally an adult and engaging in, well, trying to engage in romantic relationships, I had mm-hmm. no clue where to start. I just felt like yeah. it was obligatory if you wanted right. to be in a relationship. And hmm. so I was doing it out of obligation. Yeah. So my first three to four years of being consensually
2: sexually active, they were miserable. Like I didn't- Right, right. And it's so confusing <laughs> for people, right? Cause we're, as you said, we're taught like, oh, if I'm in a sexual romantic relationship, I'm supposed to have sex. So I want to be a good partner, so okay. <laughs> And the body is still recovering, and in some ways still um, kind of caught in a loop. And so we end up compounding the trauma, like we're overriding our own response. Um, yeah. Because the body, the body is brilliant. And that's, that's what I want people to know. Like, your body is brilliant. It is designed to keep you alive. It's, and even in the midst of, during a traumatic experience, that people know about the the fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're talking about the fawning response. And all four of those are legitimate ways of surviving. The body will go to any one of those to try to figure out how do we get to the next moment. And what we don't always do is understand, um, that that's what the body is trying to do is to survive. So sometimes we have a lot of guilt about, oh, I didn't fight back or, I was nice to them during the moment and even afterwards. Not understanding that your body was like telling you, this is what we need to do to get away. So do what we need to do so we can keep going. Mm -hmm. So that's something I really want survivors to know is um, your body is trying to keep you alive. And then the healing process is having compassion for that. And then moving, um, finding other ways to, to process and to heal. Okay
1: is the is, is the main method of healing is it to get into some form of therapy can somebody's you know self heal is that like how does that work since a lot of people shy away from therapy or they
2: can't afford it
1: you know they that-
2: can't- Yeah let's talk about the thing like therapy is not always accessible whether it's geographical reasons or um there's not a lot of black therapists in the field, and there's a lot of black people who need support. And definitely, economically, it is not accessible to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing, I, how do I put this? my My fundamental, my fundamental paradigm around healing is that, and around trauma, is that trauma happens in relationship. Like, a, when a traumatic thing happens, it's somebody violated some sense of a relationship, whether just from human to human. Um, And so trauma happens in the context of a aborted relationship. And so healing also happens in a relationship. And so I wouldn't want somebody to do all of their healing completely alone. Um, I don't think that that, I think there's work people can do individually. Um, Journaling, getting some sort of a somatic practice, meaning like it can be yoga, it can be running, it can be just gentle stretches in the morning. Um, So there's things that people should do individually, but um, finding an online group, group therapy, a therapist, um, something, you know, help kind of bonding with their partner around, let's spend time trying to work through this, but doing something in relationship.
0: and and that's uh, that's kind of um, what I was gonna ask even before Candace just asked that question is like um, being kind of in a relationship at that time with maybe with someone right? Uh huh. What would you suggest as far as like trying to open up so they so that they're not uh, um, as kind of Candace said is just you know having sex um, just out of obligation. Right, Uh, just because that doesn't seem too healthy, right? uh, Right. Like, what other options would there be to try to be supportive? Yeah, uh, not even really just be supportive, but maybe yeah, to to try to heal themselves and open up to even have the courage to maybe just tell their partner that this is what they're going through.
2: Yeah, because that's a huge piece too of saying, you know, because you can feel your body is responding in a certain way, but taking. having enough trust or having enough sense of safety to say, hey, I realize I had trauma and it's showing up. That's a big Mm -hmm. deal. Um, that's, I I cannot underestimate, like, that's a gamble. Um, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important, like, you shouldn't be with somebody that you don't feel safe enough to share that piece with. Because, like, you you cannot recover in a relationship if you can't talk about this trauma. there's you. You can't silo it away. You can't put it in a closet inside yourself. Like it will come back out. So if somebody's in a relationship with somebody who doesn't want to handle or deal with the trauma, that's that's something um, to move away from. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are with somebody who's like something seems like wrong, you seem like you aren't here when we have sex. You cry afterwards, or you seem angry then that's somebody who's like, I'm noticing you, I'm tracking you. That's huge.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and so with partners, it can be really hard because they're watching their person like struggle, right? Yeah. And then they also have their own sexual needs. And so it can get really complex. The best thing for a partner to do is first of all, realize this is not your fault. Like you can help this person heal, but it is not your fault what happened. And it is not your sole responsibility to, to heal them. You can support them to get other supports, but you can't handle it completely on your own. Because um, I see that a lot with, with partners. Um, and then they end up feeling really exhausted and drained and the sex life just keeps spiraling down. So really getting clear about your boundaries. Um, something that people can do if it's a straight couple, and they're, um, a lot of straight couples focus a lot on penetrative sex. And there's nothing wrong with penetrative sex. It's wonderful and lovely. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not the only way of having sex, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we get super focused on like, but they don't want to be penetrated. And when my clients say that to me, I very gently say, yeah, like that may not be on the table for a while. So what are other ways that we can be central and intimate and sexy? Like blowjobs can be great. If a blowjob isn't, if that's triggering, then hand jobs can be great. You can use sleeves, which are like masturbation sleeves, mm-hmm. and then you can use it together. There's all kinds of ways to have a sexual experience, and not just focus on oh, we're not doing penetration anymore.
1: I, n- I didn't think about that.
0: No, no, not at all.
1: <laughs> I never thought about. I, ne- I, I never thought about it in that context, but. Now that you say it, it reminds me that mm-hmm. there's a lot more to sex than getting to penetration, right? And 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 he, and yeah. you know, pretty healthy right. sexual relationships. There's yeah. a lot more that goes on outside of penetration right. that you can start to do that may gradually lead back up to penetration, and right. so right,
0: right. yeah. As you get more comfortable, I could see, uh, I could see that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And penetration can be—it
2: doesn't always have to be with a penis, right? It can be with yeah. a gentle finger. Like there's all sorts of ways to to do this, um, and that. And we need to get rid of this idea of foreplay as separate from sex. Like it's—it's it's all sex. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad you. And <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so, like the foreplay, like yeah. oh, we have to hurry up through this part. I mean, absolutely <laughs> not. I don't hurry through my appetizers like that's all part of my meal. So yeah, absolutely, <laughs> not to mention
1: sometimes the what what they what people consider foreplay can really be
2: enough to get the
1: job done. Some days, right? You, right. Okay.
2: Like some people like to like oral sex. Some people like kissing or like there's other parts of the body that are um, capable of producing an orgasm. So mm-hmm. why are, why are why are we separating it into these like slices? Yeah, whatever, whatever gets both people off, that's what I'm after.
1: Oh, that's a that's a a great idea. And so with like as we discuss partners like so on one side we have the person who's been a victim of this and trying to them trying to figure it out, but what like what are with the with someone's partner, how can they be supportive and not just sexually like is do you recommend them maybe attending therapy with the person if the person is open to that or should the victim do therapy alone initially and then over time maybe they want to bring
2: their partner in? I think either one of those is great. Like when I'm working with an individual um, and they come in and and trauma is kind of the piece they're working on, we will do work together but I love weaving in people's um, support system so I, w- I was trained by a social worker and they're very much about bringing, connecting people's support system into the world. You can't, people aren't, um, this kind of isolated thing that we do with people like, I'm just gonna work with you and then I'll fix you and then you'll be fine. And then we send them back into their environment and we expect mm-hmm. them to be well. Like that's, that's crazy. So I'm very big on like, I will, I will talk to your, your mother, your auntie, your teacher, your husband, your best friend, your roommate, anybody that you feel safe enough that will help you in this process, I want to work with. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm, very, I'm very passionate about that. But it has everything to do with the client deciding, and this is part of the healing process, getting to choose who do they feel is safe. And I'll negotiate with them, what is the session going to be like? Do you want them to listen? Is there specific things you want to tell them? How do you want me to show up for you? So we really spent a lot of time organizing what that can look like for the person. Um, It's all about agency, right? Like giving the person their agency. back.
1: Yes. I think, so I think for me, one of the big things talking about this is because I kept it to myself for a very long time. Yeah. Um, You know, nobody knew I didn't, tell my mother, I didn't tell family, I didn't tell friends. I kind of just started until I was like, okay, I had to get some help because I'm hitting the same brick wall repeatedly um, in sexual relationships, not just even, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, but,
0: you Mm -hmm. know,
1: I can't even enjoy, um, you know, uh, having quote unquote a friend with benefits. It was, (laughs) you know this yeah. i just wasn't enjoying it and so i was like how do i figure this out so a big part of this for me is saying that you do not have to suffer in silence right you know a right. lot of Please the don't. people Please a don't. lot of the people around you don't want you to suffer in silence they may not be able to directly help you but they may be able to support you in right. getting help
2: right checking in with you like Reminding, oh, have you seen your your therapist yet? How's your journaling going? Do you want to go on a walk with me? Like you're, most times the people in our lives really do want the best for us and they can tell when something isn't right. Um, mm. And a lot of the healing process does come with the survivor um, retraining people how to deal with them, how to support them. Yeah of, hey, when you raise your voice, like, that actually triggers me. Or um, when we're in bed together and you don't ask before touching me, that sets me off a bit. And so it's, it's this process of um, reach, or sometimes, like, people can be having sex and the survivor can dissociate, meaning, like, they're not really feeling their body, they're kind of drifting mentally away. And training the partner of, like, hey, when you see me kind of drifting, can you breathe with me? Can you like, oh, say my name? Can you um, look me in the eye or don't look me in the eye, but just touch me on my chest? Like, There's ways where that person can help them become anchored back in their body.
1: Yeah, those are really amazing ideas. So... For the for the person who experienced the trauma, and they just are not ready for any type of intimacy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can how can their partner? Uh, what should their partner do, or how can they cope, or and to help that person, and versus getting frustrated because they're just horny and they want to have sex.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Because it's two people navigating this really painful situation, um, it really is going to require like each of them developing another, like an intimacy with one another, an emotional, physical intimacy, a- as separate from sexual intimacy. Um, okay. And I, my, one of my fundamental beliefs is each person in a relationship should have their own sexual relationship with themselves if they choose to. Yes. Um, a lot of times we have this idea that our sex belongs to our other person. Um, and you know, I see this with couples, like if one person likes to masturbate a lot, then the other person kind of feels like, you're, you're taking orgasms from me, or you're taking something from me. Yes. And it's like, no, people aren't soap, they're not gonna wear out, it's okay. And, so, like, and it's actually important that somebody has a sense of agency over their own body. Um, and that sex is about lending that to each other. So I would suggest that the, the non-survivor partner get really good about um, either ha- A, having their own sex life and having their own time where they enjoy being with themselves. Um, sometimes what's mutual masturbation can be really lovely or solo masturbation, but the, other, the survivor person is there so they can share the moment together. Um, And that way the survivor partner doesn't feel pressured to have sex, but it can be lovely to just like be there and watch your person enjoy themselves um, or to be there for part of it. So people can negotiate. I think that's what I want people to really get is don't be trapped by these stories of how a sexual relationship is supposed to look. Mm -hmm. What you really want to do is break down every little part and then negotiate that. When do I start to feel safe? When do I not feel safe? And negotiate that piece, and that way the partner, the not the non-survivor partner, doesn't have to feel like, well, we're never going to be intimate again. We're never going to have sex again. I'm just going to be alone. No, you can find ways to knit one another. You can find ways to knit it together.
0: Huh. Oh, that's that's an interesting answer to that question because it made me think, like, hmm. how the survivor in a relationship mm-hmm. like how do you suggest that they get just more comfortable with their own body
2: i th- i uh i wish i kind of feel like most americans aren't that comfortable with their bodies in general um right. we're clenched too tightly and we're pretty disconnected um so a lot of the work that i do when i'm helping somebody to enhance their sex life is the same thing i do when somebody's trying to recover from trauma which is get used to your body again. Um, when you wash your body, like how much are you feeling comfortable to touch yourself? Um, like really anywhere, shoulders, genital region, rear end, any of it. Um, and sometimes it's just, it's at the very beginning, it's important to notice where you don't feel comfortable touching yourself. Um, Cause that's, that's information. Um, and to not judging ourselves for how we feel. But I would love if people got more comfortable with um, that they can touch anywhere on their body. Sometimes I'll let people know, you can do kind of a mantra like, I am safe, I am safe, this, let me see how this feels, I'm keeping myself safe, this is my body, it belongs to me. Um, so th- ways to kind of remind yourself and build within yourself a sense of internal safety. Um, yeah. That can be really huge. I think um, that please I think that you have a really great point
1: in that a lot of people in general are not sexually comfortable. Um, we see that in conversations about, like you said, masturbation and how mm-hmm. that's treated. Well, if you masturbate a lot, you must be unhappy with your sex life. Or right. you no. you watch why you need to watch porn, you got a partner at home, just go have sex. Or, you know, uh-huh. well, if a person likes being touched here or there. That's nasty. Why would you do that? So I think yeah. it's, uh-huh. <clears throat> I think in general I think that might be one of the things that maybe also keeps survivors quiet because
0: the stigma, the of stigma
1: things. of being a sexual survivor, and now you're damaged. So if I'm even right, right. If looked at like I'm less than now, I for sure don't want to have the conversation about rediscovering my sexual self with people, Mm -hmm.
2: so. Yeah, that, I have such sadness and and anger about um, the isolation that people are experiencing. And and that's the thing, like this culture has a very, like a fundamentally unhealthy relationship to sex in general. And so a lot of times it's not that I am, like if somebody has sexual trauma to me that's an opportunity for them to completely redesign their sex life separate from what the culture tells you you're supposed to be. It's like, we have to burn all of that down and you get to recreate really in the with, from the ground up how it can be for you. Because um, I'm not interested again in getting people back to a normal sex life. The sex life that most people are having that passes as normal is not very satisfying. It's rigid and (laughs) sterile and filled with fear and shame and repetitiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not trying to get you back to baseline as measured by the culture. I I, I want more for people. I
0: I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it too. It's like, this is your sex life and it shouldn't be based upon what we see just in culture and uh, just in general, uh, like the status quo of right. what sex is supposed to be. Right. Yeah,
1: it's uh I it, I feel like like you said like it is I'm so disappointed that we've had to endure sexual trauma, but yeah. if we're if we're to heal, we might as well come out on top. Now, not being yes. back where we were prior to the abuse and the trauma, right, but something completely different, being able to you know, have enjoy it right because a lot of times prior to sexual trauma you weren't in I was not one the times when I was ha- having sex and ended up being violated again mm-hmm. I was not enjoying sex to begin right.
2: with right to begin um, with right
1: yeah I was not enjoying sex so I do agree with you that one of the big things in in my journey and my healing and being able to be where I want to be is having a new outlook on sex, um, yes. you know, which makes my attitude toward other people better. Because right. prior to that, I was, you know, I don't know if this is a real term, but kind of sexually bigoted based on what I was taught about sex. Ooh, you know, I a great it,
2: term. What <laughs> coined the new term? Like we get to, we get to play with language, new term. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, because looking when people talk about ew, you do that, that's nasty. But now right. I have a mind frame, I don't necessarily want to do that, but I want you to do that if it makes you feel good. Right. Great. Like if, if yeah. 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 So I do like where I am sexually after working daily, because it's still a daily process. There's still some yeah. days I think about the trauma and then having yeah. a daughter it really gets to me is because I I don't ever want her to have to experience any of what I went through. But at the same time, I have to realize like, okay, I, I got through it and God forbid she ever goes through that. But I want her to understand that she, there's support for that. She doesn't have to be closed off. She doesn't have to be scared because it's a sad reality that even having my own daughter, there's a greater chance that she will be violated in the world that we live in. It's very
2: sad. Right. Like it's, it's sick and disturbing. Um, And it really, again, why do the work that I do um, what I'm always focused on is I want this person to have multiple internal and external resources. And I'm also working so that the culture changes too, because it is, crazy making again to send a healthy person out into a sick world. And yes. so, yeah. so like you said, this this shift from I love it, sexual bigotry to sexual curiosity or sexual compassion, like that's you in you shifting in that way, you're now supporting other people to shift. That's yes. how after- changes. Like yes. that's was- how things get better for all of us, making it safer for all of us. Like that's to me, that's the crux of the work. Um, but parents, I, I don't work with children um, directly because I it just, children like it. Every clinician has a population that they're really good at working with and the population where they're just like, I don't know. So for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at this little being. I, you, you don't have much executive functioning. I got nothing. I don't know. Yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way as a parent. I'm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't that's,
1: know. that's
0: a day by day thing. <laughs> I have
1: no
0: clue. But it, it
1: <laughs> but, but like you said, the the work that you do, the work that other sexual therapists do, especially black ones, it's changing the culture so that you know. I have great hope that when my daughter is starting to get a lot older, that the, the environment is different on how right. we discuss right. sexual trauma and- Right. because Sexual we, pleasure and
2: sexual health. like And yes, not, we don't want our kids to be afraid. And what parents can definitely do is teach their child like the, the accurate names of their body, to teach them that there is nothing that the child can't tell them. Um, because that's what happens way too often. Somebody tells somebody this awful thing, and they're met with disbelief or disdain or shaming. Um, mm. And that—that's in some ways that's actually uh, the yeah. most traumatic piece. Is the thing that happened is awful, but then when somebody feels like they're alone in it, that's yeah. that's when it um, it becomes something else. So, so, so parents letting their child know, like, you can always tell me anything. Um, reaffirming, again, that your body is very smart. One of the best things my dad ever told me was, trust your body. If something feels yucky, it is. Trust mm-hmm. that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, and especially for, and and for me, it's not even a gender thing. I think girls, it can seem like are more vulnerable, but little boys, boys they or are any as well. gender non-conforming, um, the stats on the level of predation on kids who are gender non-conforming or who tend to be kind of loners, really bad, really bad. I think, think, you know, even with,
1: with, with boys, um, it's, it's equally as bad because of the way that we look at sex for boys. You don't consider a lot of sexual abuse, sexual abuse on young boys. You consider it coming of age. Mm -hmm. Oh, she, she, she put her titties in his face. He's 11. He's come, he's becoming a man now. Like, no, that's sexual abuse. You're violating his agency. That is not okay. So I think, you know, what's happening now will benefit boys and girls, gender non-conforming, you know, in the community, out of the community, everything in between, because Yes. Now we we'll, we're, we're going to start having conversations with our kids. Hey, like you said, hey, tell me anything. Right. I don't care what they tell. You I don't care if they say, "Oh, they'll kill Mommy and Daddy if you tell them." Tell them, you know, that don't matter. Mommy and Daddy could take care of themselves. Come tell us. There you go. There you come go. come yeah. say
0: something. I think that's kind of what I was getting at too. is because uh, we we've seen like a culture shift. Yeah, um, yeah. with how sexual abuse is handled um just within the last five six years really it's like skyrocketed now yeah and now we're more able to have these conversations than we were you know a decade ago
1: I
2: i completely agree
1: i mean sadly i think for so long and especially in the black community we've swept Oh, yeah, it's been taboo. it's like you know, under oh. the rug, you about you know yeah and so now we're Such talking about it and mm-hmm. and now we're seeing this shift with people teaching their kids consent from a, a young age like somebody right. says don't touch
2: them don't touch them mm-hmm. right right you know. Like, oh, do you want to kiss on to your grandma no okay right whereas before it was like go kiss grandma or grandpa or whatever like yeah. Okay, we
1: identify because sometimes our daughter does not want to give hugs. She does not uh-huh. want to give you a kiss. She'll say no, and guess what we do? We leave it alone. Okay, right? It's like give oh, us
2: your, five, your your agency.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and she she will give a hug or kiss when she's ready. And so right, like I like you right. like you both were saying the culture has shifted, which makes me feel really good um, because then we could talk about like attitudes, like what are what are like. Healthy, healthy sexual attitudes versus unhealthy and how you how do you deal with somebody who you think has an unhealthy attitude towards sex? Do you run in the opposite direction? Do you ask, you know, you know, what's you know, what's wrong that you that you think like this or feel like this? Is there a way that, you know, we could change your attitude on
0: Sex Ooh, or... And I would say before like we answer that, like what are let's let's find out what are some unhealthy attitudes yeah. towards sex. Mm.
2: Both of those are really good questions. Um there's uh she's a, a thinker and writer. Her name is Carol Queen, and I think she has one of the best definitions of sex positivity ever. Um I go back to her definition over and over again. Um, and it's really this, the fundamental belief that sexual expression, as long as it's consensual, is healthy, that whatever, um, that whether you have sexual expression or you don't have sexual expression, that that's important and should be respected, that there's not a right way and a wrong way um, to have sex, but that agency, consensuality, um, for however your sexuality takes shape, that should be respected and protected. And I think that's, it's broad enough, but structured enough that it makes space for a lot of people. Because there's people who don't like sex, or they don't like sex in a certain way. And sex positivity should never be a leverage point, like, oh, if you were truly sex positive, you would believe X, Y, and Z, or do X, Y, and Z. That is not sex positive. Um, Mm. I love her framing. So I would say that, healthy sexual attitudes are what is going to bring pleasure? Like if you're alone, what's going to bring pleasure to me in this moment? Um, and do I have the information to do whatever that is safely? So for example, like autoerotic asphyxiation, I do worry about that for people because if something goes wrong, it can go very wrong. So mm-hmm. I want people like you can do in the, like personal breath play, but there's ways to do it that are safe -er. or it's not a particularly safe thing to do. So people should be careful or not do it at all. Um, But that's, but that's the framing around like how safe, how consensual is this? Um,
1: Okay.
2: So that, that's the frame.
1: I think that covers a lot of ground in terms of sex positivity because um, you know, if is it consensual means more than that more than just penetration you know with recording do i can if you don't consent to somebody recording you right. they shouldn't be recording you mm-hmm. absolutely not.
2: <laughs> right like for yeah. all the things that we do together is it mutually what we're both interested in you know absolutely. um so unhealthy sexual attitudes are basically like what i see of oh that's disgusting i would say that's probably the most common one of like oh that's nasty that's disgusting why would anyone do that? Um, I hear that a lot from people. And my answer is usually like, because it's hot to them. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's that simple. Um, what I want people to realize is like, your sexuality is as unique as you. And the, you know, like I'll, I'll disclose for myself, I love suits. Like I, if there's a, there is a suit, fit, I have a suit, fit. anybody in a suit that's a really I nice know. suit, totally turned on by that. So yeah. What I do know. with that depends I on the, like the partner I have, but that, somebody may think like, how could you be turned on by a suit? I don't know, go watch James Bond movies and you'll realize why. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, The second that I realized, oh, that's just my sexuality expressing itself. There's nothing weird about that. That's just, I like oranges and I like suits. And they both are Mm -hmm. delicious to me. And I want people, like, you know, for each of you, what's delicious to you? Regardless of anybody else. That's the question.
1: Yeah, I think for me, like, I I think, and you, you said it previously, like, Treating sex like an obligation is a uh, really unhealthy killer. To, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people do that and both yeah. men and women, you know, if, if I want sex, you need to give it to me right. or else I might go get it from somewhere else. So, you know, being manipulative and stuff like yes. that, that is yes. the easiest way to deteriorate sexual trust in the relationship.
2: Right. Right. And it's, it's dangerous and it's damaging. And again, and it goes back to that idea of somebody's sexuality belongs to the other person. I want sex, so you're supposed to have sex with me. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, I get that you want sex, but you should have your own sex life. I am not just a receptacle or a toy for you. And that that plays into gender. I think a lot of times men have been trained that it's um, less than like it's it's such a paradox. On the one hand, we're like, oh, guys masturbate all the time, all the time, all the time, and then we'll tell them like, oh, but if you masturbate a lot and you're not having sex with a partner, that's sad and pathetic. Like that. Yeah. Like look at what we do to people. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times men are trained of like, oh no, you're I want to have sex. You should be having sex with me. And that leads to some very disturbing um, dynamics in a relationship.
1: Yeah, it it I've gotten to the point. um, Well, so all of my relationships prior to me being with my husband now, the the sex dynamics were not healthy. You know, looking back, because now with my husband, I can be like, you know, I'm tired. I'm not in the mood to have sex, and there's not an argument. Mm -hmm. It's a I understand, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, you know, this weekend or tomorrow after you get some rest. Mm-hmm. I've never had that before prior to my current relationship. Yeah, I've never had that, and I feel slighted. Uh-huh. I, I felt <laughs> slighted that I that I did not have a partner that would not put on a whole circus act if I didn't want to have sex
2: one night. Right. right. Like, that's damaging. Again, like... <clears throat> especially for a survivor, but really for anyone, there has to be respect for their agency and their choice. You want somebody to have sex with you who doesn't want to be with you in that moment, but you're still gonna have sex anyway? Ugh, like yeah. What's, what's your tolerance for sex? And when I when I teach my classes, I'm very much like, you cannot make a thing of a person. Everything bad comes from when we make a thing of a person. If you, tr- if you treat somebody essentially like a masturbation sleeve, if you treat somebody as basically, you know, a checkbook, if you treat somebody just like, Oh, I'm only, I only go to you just when I want comfort, but nothing else. When you treat people like a thing, that's when everything goes wrong.
1: Yeah. And, so, yeah, so- and, uh, and I've had that with, you know, with Mike, when he's like, I'm babe, I'm tired. And I'm like, okay. You know, rub your back until you fall asleep. Right, having yeah. having having the agency in our marriage to say, not tonight, or let's try yeah. let's try this, and it's not a, uh you want to do what? Uh-uh. Right, but right. You're not
2: married. That's you nasty. Right, right. this is who <laughs> I thought you were. And, you know, <laughs> and it's, but then women, I we definitely get these different messages, right? Of like oh, I wanna freak in the sheets, but a lady on the streets. But then it's like, oh, you want me to like go down on you or you want anal play or you squirted, that's so weird. And it's we, we visit upon each other these terrible messages that essentially you're not acceptable. And I think whether somebody has a specific trauma or just has survived American culture, um, which is kind of a chronic trauma, <laughs> that making making people feel like there's no part of you that I can't hold and that we'll figure out the the overlap of yeah. what you both want. But tell me everything so that we can find where our mutual yummy spots are.
1: Yeah. So is the I I found this this research or article and it talked about like a sexual a bill of sexual rights. Is that is that common in the industry no. to, dis- to to discuss? Or is that something that they kind of made up and, and stuck in there or?
2: I mean, there's different organizations. Like there's there the World Health Organization has a really lovely um, declaration about sexuality that I, I think is phenomenal. It's not an official statement, but um, after this, maybe if I can find it, I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, But there's multiple people in multiple organizations who realize that on an international level, we have to be talking about a fundamental, um, about sexual wellness and sexual health, whatever that's gonna look like depending on the area. So I think it's actually really cool to have a sexual bill of rights. What I would love is if more couples and partners created their own of like, what is it that, how do we wanna design our relationship? What are, what are things that we feel like we should never say to one another? What are things that we really love doing? Um, I haven't put on my website yet, but there's a yes, no, maybe list, which is like all sorts of different sexual activities that people can decide how much they, they yes, they want to, no, they don't want to, or maybe they want to. And they can um, fill them out and then compare them. And you can kind of see like, oh, I didn't know you were into this. Like, oh, I'm not into that. But are you into this? So it can provide kind of a a roadmap of things to do. Um, but yeah, the whole sexual bill of rights, I wouldn't say that that's the general population even knows about that. And some sex therapists wouldn't necessarily bring that into the room. Um, okay. But we will talk about agency and sexual wellness and exploration and boundaries. Okay. Um, understanding limits and boundaries.
1: Great. <clears throat> so in, in closing, I guess, what what is your, what would you say is the, the biggest step in taking a hold on your sexual agency? And this can be either a survivor or like you said just somebody who hasn't had trauma because the overall attitude about sex especially in this country is pretty blasé. Yeah. So what's what's yeah. a what's a really good first step to take in changing how you think about sex?
2: Mm. Like there's so many ways um Well, you can
1: give us a few of your favorites.
2: Yeah, if somebody can get to um, an education-based adult store, a lot of them will have classes. And so just going to a class, like here in LA, um, there's a couple of sex stores that will have free classes once a week. And people can, like, even if it's not something you're interested in, I always tell people, go to a class, because you'll start putting language to things. And that's one of the, the... most important things to do is learn that you can actually speak these things. Um, So get some classes, um, follow sex-positive people online. Um, There's like the Women of Color Sexual Health Network. They do wonderful stuff. The people involved with them, following them on Twitter or Instagram can be great. Um, Afrosexology, it's two women, um, I think they're based in St. Louis, And they specifically talk about sexual pleasure and sexual trauma among Black people. They're incredible, incredible. Um, So like follow them. They have worksheets on their site too that people can do. Um, I always tell people like find ways to layer erotic and pleasure into your daily life. Like most of us don't know like what are the colors that make you feel good? What are the scents that make you feel good? how do you are you eating foods that actually both nourish you and that you genuinely like like in every do you listen to music that makes you feel good about yourself what are you watching and so really from from kind of a five senses framework knit into your life the things that amplify your sexual self and your sensual self and that can be deeply healing if there's one kind of quick hack, people need to breathe more. Most of us do not take deep breaths often enough. And um, if you're not breathing, your body actually isn't processing anything, really. Um, and when I'm working with a client and I encourage them to breathe and they're like, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. I will <laughs> I'll be be like, okay, stop breathing, and let's see how well this therapy progresses. Go ahead, stop breathing. And it's, I want them to learn, like, if you can't breathe, you can't do anything.
1: Yeah, That is how critical your
2: breath is. So that's something, so if somebody's having sex and they find that they're having a trauma response, the the first most fundamental thing you can do is try to take a breath as deep as you can. or help your partner, have your partner help you take a deep breath. And that can ground you and give you a sense of um, just enough space because you might, you might be having a flashback or something. If you can breathe, you can give yourself a little bit of space. Um, one of my favorite books is called Healing Sex. I feel like every clinician should be required to read this. We're not. Um, it's called Healing Se- Sex by Stacey Haynes. And it's phenomenal. Hands down, I would be like, if you can't get to therapy, do this book. Do this book, book. yeah. So the thing, and we talked about it. Yeah,
1: that brings me to like, we talked about how economically infeasible sometimes therapy can be. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be a huge issue and a huge chink in the armor of healthcare, like it already doesn't have a big hole in it in general. But a lot of uh, healthcare providers, they will cover, you know, mental wellness, but only if it's for the major issues, you know, right. PTSD, right. bipolar disorder, things of that nature. But to sometimes to be, have, be able to go to a therapist and they cover it for sex related problems, right. um, it's, a it's no, it's, a, it's out of pocket. Right, right, and right. a lot of a lot of providers um, don't accept private insurance because they don't want to have to finagle back and forth to prove this was a service that clients needed. Right, you know, and my, my client,
0: money.
1: yeah, and nobody everything. wants to go back and forth with insurance companies. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. so
0: their job is to find out how they cannot pay for something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, because if it you won't. deal with that with your physical health, <laughs> right, right, you will. You will see your insurance company go back and forth with your your physical doctors. And so I can only imagine what it's like for specialized therapists when insurance companies are like, yeah, we're denying that claim. Now you are tasked with billing your client who couldn't normally afford this otherwise thousands of dollars that you deserve, (laughs) that you deserve. But like you said, are there services for people who can't necessarily afford to come in and and they can't afford the you know $175 per hour? Should they just look for groups or how does that work?
2: A painful and excellent question. And ethical therapists, and to me like ethical meaning like social justice informed therapists, like this is what we are struggling with, this particular conundrum. Um, mm-hmm. Like my rate is one seventy five an hour, and I know that that has yeah. a bunch of people from accessing me. Um, and for my my life to pay my bills, like that's what I have to charge to. Like that's what my life costs. Yes. And so, um, to me, if you're a social justice informed therapist, you are trying to figure out what to do. So yes. my individual practice, um, I'm in the middle of. Constructing online courses so okay. that I can charge significantly less, and mm. people can have access to like, here's a program that you can do with your partner, that you can do by yourself, that you could get a group together, and you all can like go through it together. Um, so I'm trying to find multiple ways that I can help people that are beyond just the individual therapy, mm.
1: um,
2: because there's it's a it's a terrible. I would say crisis that we're in. There's way too much need out there for the structures that we have. So yeah, that's and, why uh, I'm trying to do it is, is balance like the individual with something that multiple people can access like online and building that over time.
1: That's a yeah, that's a great idea. And I and I and I feel bad because when somebody says hundred seventy five dollars an hour, I don't think a lot of people really understand <laughs> what those Into that and how much it takes to really be able to help a person through that through a crisis,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, pertaining to mental
1: wellness. And I never and I and I ask people all the time, you know, when I talk about it, like on Facebook and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, as an engineer, when I bill out, right, I bill Mm -hmm. out for a hundred and. $25 25 dollars an hour if Ooh. you don't scoff at me billing out for that kind of money why would you scoff at somebody who is responsible for helping people get their mental wellness where it needs to be right, right. You, you don't you don't you right. don't complain because... when I mean some people do complain but you don't te- <laughs> you know you really don't complain when you have to go to the doctor because you are people
0: gonna complain no
1: matter what. yeah people are gonna <laughs> complain no matter what but I'm here to say yeah. that right you but could be charging so more, much
2: more. For, right, for their hairstylist, like there's there's something about therapy where people are leery of, of paying that cost. But what I wanted people to know is like, you're paying for the education that I have, you're paying for the 10 years that you spent in, as a sex educator making like no money. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I mean, um, You're paying for like the overhead so that I can actually have a place to do this. Um, you're paying for, like, my, like, I am not living in some palace. Like, everything that my life costs is, is in that 175. My insurance, my own health insurance, um, you know, my car so I can get there. So it's, if people understand why that number, um, and I picked a number that covers my costs, but that is somewhat accessible. Um, But it's, it's a, it's a challenge. Like, this culture doesn't value physical emotional wellness the way that it should and all of us are having to pay the cost for that
0: and i think that has a lot to do with not being able to like physically see the results you know what i mean when you can see the results or something you're like hey it this is why i paid for that right? right but when someone is mentally healthy now I mean, Mm -hmm. you can notice it, but it's not as noticeable as, like, if you get your car fixed or... Yeah, you You
1: feel better, but a lot of times, like, once you start to really feel better, a lot of people kind of store the the bad times away mm -hmm. because they don't like to think about it, right? Because it does take you back, and it does make you have to kind of relive it at times. So typically when you start to feel better about something, you don't discuss when you were feeling bad. So it's really easy to... Forget about what the process and what the journey was to get you from bad to better to amazing. Yes, and, yes, and you're so, both right.
2: Like because it's not tangible, it can be really difficult to value. Like how do you price tag on? Oh, I feel like my life is worth living, and like we have banging sex all the time. Like yeah, you know yeah
1: yeah. I, and so with that, like, and then with that being said, of um, even when I reached out to you, I went through the website. Um, We appreciate you doing this because you could have also charged us $175 for the time to do this, but we want to thank you um, for taking the time to do this for us as well as, um, you know, let people know in in Cal because you're in California um, that for as expensive as the cost of living is, you probably have really toned down what you could or should be charging.
2: Yeah, and uh, well, that was a medical decision. Like, I could be charging significantly more, um, you know, 200, 250. And that doesn't feel right to me. I'd rather be making... Like I have my annual goals and I'd rather be making my annual goals through those other ways that I mentioned rather than charging individual people. Um, That doesn't feel right to me at all. But this was, I love the fact that you two would create space to have these kinds of conversations. Um, This changes the culture and I am always like, how can I support people who are literally like in their own way shifting the culture? Like, so I don't have to feel alone in the work that I do. So, no, I was yeah. like, nope, I'll do it. Yep, yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thank you. So you're before we good. before we go, tell everybody um, your website and what kind of work you're doing because it's not just with uh, victims of sexual trauma. Um, mm-hmm. I read on the website that you're working with people in the community, um, you're mm-hmm. working with couples, you're doing individually, you're working mm-hmm. with groups.
2: So, yeah, um, people can find me at my website, which is Um They can also find me on Instagram at therapy. Um, and I've got some videos that are coming out. Uh, it's called Sex Talk. And we just do, my friend and I just do little um, tidbits about, hey, here's something about lubricants or here's something about different sexual positions. So just like fun conversations and those will be on my Instagram site. Um, In terms of the clinical work that I do yeah if somebody is kinky or poly or they just want to go to the next level of their sex life I love helping people enhance their sex life Um, and if they're kinky or in the BDSM community and they want a therapist that's not going to pathologize how they how they work um, I love working with kinky people because I am a kinky person so um, I would say those are the biggest things that I I want for people how to express themselves explore what they want and then enhance their sex life
1: oh absolutely yep so i'm i'm we're following you on all platforms as yeah well. oh. and
0: that's so wonderful
2: thank you yeah
1: we we had a really great really great talk and we we look forward to your your next ventures in terms of the conferences um and things like that and being able to share the work that you're starting and the work that you're currently doing I don't yeah. think we highlight black sexual therapists enough um, the, the wow. work that you're doing to help people be be healthy and have a positive attitude when it comes to not just sex but life because when you have a healthy sex yeah. life you usually have a really good outlook on life oh um, you do you do so, <laughs>
2: Yeah. (laughs) out here are bad, and when I've had an amazing experience with my partner, like, like, I don't care, beep away, I'll be, it's fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you do, you get through the, get through the day quicker, and people get on your nerves, like, she's like, girl. I just had right. an orgasm. I don't care what you're talking about. Exactly,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm going to lunch. I'll be back.
2: You so, <laughs> <just gonna> <laughs> <the new> good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so much, and I I just hope for you and your little one, and for everybody out there, like just more pleasure and more happiness.
1: Absolutely, we we are um, truly indebted to you for coming on, and we look forward to talking to you again if it's something that you have going or whatever the case may be we hope that you just keep us in mind to reach out to to be a supporter in any way possible um, thank you i will yeah thank you. yep and so um we will make sure that everybody has access to you on social media and thank you again it's
2: You're been so a great often. show it's so great to meet the two of you
1: you yes, too. We will see you guys back in two weeks and thank you for tuning in to the Not So Little Red podcast.